This show, The Planted Runner, is obviously about running and plants. This episode is about how you can transform the way you run and dramatically improve your running form in as little as one day with a proven method that's been around for decades, but it's not talked about enough. But before we talk about your running form, let's go back to the plants for just a moment. I definitely talk more about running than plants on The Planted Runner, and when I'm talking about plants, I'm usually talking about how plant-based nutrition can power your running. But if you're watching me on YouTube, you can probably tell by my background that I really, really love plants themselves. I care for more house plants and garden plants than I can count, and collecting them is something that brings me joy. So it was an absolute delight to find out that my next guest not only loves running as much as I do, but he's also hooked on houseplants as well. But don't worry if you are not a green thumb and just come here for the running because this episode might just change how you run forever. Welcome to The Planted Runner. I'm Coach Claire Bartholik, and my mission is to help you improve your running, your mindset, and your life with science-backed training and plant-based nutrition. In this episode, you'll learn what commonalities every runner has with their running form, why changing how you run can massively improve your performance and lower your injury risk, and why a simple mind shift might just be more important than all the running drills you've ever done. My guest today is Coach Dex Moore. He's a certified running coach and pose method specialist that has helped hundreds of runners transform their running in as little as one day with concepts that can apply to everyone. His videos on Instagram show the before and afters of regular runners just like you that have taken Dex's course or worked with him in person. And I promise you, the change is phenomenal. You can find him at coachadex underscore 757 to see it for yourself. And I even sent a video of me running for Dex to analyze during this episode, and you might be surprised to learn what he said about me. At the end of today's show, right after the Mental Strength Minute, I'll announce this month's winner of our Apple Podcast Review Contest. Anyone can win just by leaving a five-star review of the show. I'll choose one random winner to win a free signed copy of my book every month of the year. If you'd like help directly from me, you can check out my freebies, personal coaching, and sign up for my PR team at theplantedrunner.com slash link. And now here's my conversation with Dex Moore. Welcome to the Planted Runner, Dex. Hi, Claire. So usually I just jump right into the running topic, but if anybody's watching this on YouTube and sees our backgrounds, we obviously have something in common besides just running. We are both crazy plant people. (laughs) Yeah, I love my plants. Favorite room in the house. Yes, yes. What do you love about taking care of such great plants? It's really just, uh, you know, watching the growth. So many of these plants I've had uh, since they were smaller or maybe I picked them up at like Walmart and they were in bad condition or maybe I adopted them from a friend and they were in bad condition. But just, you know, getting to care for them and nourish them and, you know, they all look so good right now. And that really gives me fulfillment as well as just, you know, great visual stimulation. I just love being in this room. Absolutely. I am 100% the same way. I have, I don't know, hundreds of house plants at this point. It's kind of an addiction. It's, <laughs> I have more plants than running shoes at this point, which it didn't, it didn't <laughs> used to be that way. <laughs> Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, but anyway, I would love to talk with you all day about houseplants, but I brought you on the show today to talk about running. So you teach um, a form method that's called the pose method. So there are some people who have never heard of this before. So tell us a little bit about the history of the pose method, what it is, and how you got into it. Yeah, certainly. 
Um, with Pose Method, with Pose Method, one of the very first things I try to explain to people is that it's not an invention. It's not a brand new way of running. What happened was back in the 1970s, Dr. Romanoff, he was a, he just graduated university. He was tasked with coaching runners at a athletic university in Russia. And as a movement scientist, he thought, how am I supposed to teach people how to run? Like he racked his brain and thought, you know, I don't have a strong idea of what the actual movement of running is. And you know, you can ask runners also like, Hey, what is running? You know, what are you actually doing? And they might say things like, I'm putting one foot in front of the other. Um, I'm swinging my arms. So they're like describing certain parts of running, but they're not describing what is actually happening, you know, with your body in the environment when you're running. So he sat down. He's like, I've got to figure this out so that I can actually, you know, serve my students. And he took out, this is the seventies. So, you know, uh, reels of film, you know, yeah. the, you know, the light goes through and puts it on the screen and uh -huh. was looking at the videos frame by frame and noticed that there were certain elements of running that every single runner did. So no matter their height, their weight, their skill, their speed, every single runner was exhibiting very common elements. And one of those things is what we call the runner's pose. Ooh, tell and us about that. Yeah. So the pose is a movement that or a position anyway, that defines the movement. And it's really interesting because all movement is really a flow between, you know, an infinite number of poses or, you know, shapes with your body. But there are certain key positions or key poses that define the movement. So if I were to go like this. Like you're shooting a basketball. Exactly. I don't have a basketball. I'm not moving. But you can tell that I'm shooting a basketball. Right. Same deal right here. Like a baseball bat. Exactly. Or if I'm setting up for a deadlift or, you uh -huh. know, other things like that. There are these key positions and they're generally positions of balance that you can train from that you can, you know, improve your skill in whatever that movement is. But mm -hmm. in running, it's tricky because it's a cyclical movement. You know, right. there, there doesn't seem to be a position of balance. You're always moving, but there is one. It's the one moment where your center of mass right about your hips is directly over your feet in your single leg stance. Okay. And that's your runner's pose. Every single runner goes through that position every single stride, no matter what. Heel striker, forefoot striker, marathon shuffle, sprinter, <laughs> every single runner hits that runner's pose. And that was the very beginning of everything. Okay. So from that runner's pose, the next thing that happens, because your foot is stationary, right? As it's on the ground, you're not skating forward. Your foot is stationary, but the rest of your body is passing over that foot. Mm -hmm. So your center of mass is passing over your foot. And that's a rotational thing. You know, your center of mass isn't just going forward. It's going forward and down like your, like your body was a hand going around the clock. It's going forward and down. Mm -hmm. And that's where the acceleration from running comes from using the rotate the uh, acceleration of gravity. And right. then from there, every single runner, if they're not going to fall on their face, has to pick their foot up from the ground, which creates the flight phase in running, which we know, you know, if we're really going to the uh, uh, deeper, more traditional definition of running, that one difference between running and walking is that running has that flight phase where both feet right. are in the air. So right. You pull that foot from the ground, you fly through the air, and then as you pull one foot up, the other one drops down, back into that next runner's pose, and you continue the cycle like that. So that's pose method in a nutshell. And again, every single runner does all of those things. Okay, well, let's get into that because every single runner, if you look, at, you know, you stand at the finish line of a marathon or even watching the elites run, you know, they, there's so many different styles of running so many different gates. You know, if I'm just driving down the street and I see a runner running on the side of the road, I can tell which people are my friends just by their running gate, because everybody has 
something distinctive about the way that they run. So, you know, you're saying that we all have that one pose, um, but we all run differently. So tell us more about that. Sure. So those three things actually are the three things that we all do. So it's pose that defines the movement, falling forward. That's how we actually, you know, move through space. And we can chat more on that in a minute also, because that's super interesting. And then we pull our foot from the ground. That has to happen in order for us to run. Um, when it comes to the other things that people are doing, there are deviations from that. And there are just like little style uh, flare kind of things that each runner does. You know, a runner might carry their arms a little bit differently, mm-hmm. or maybe their foot might flick out a little bit to the side and things like that. But those runners are still every single time hitting the runner's pose, falling forward, right. picking their foot up from the ground. So again, pose method isn't about the things that runners do differently, because certainly there are things that runners do differently. But when it comes to the actual uh, interaction with nature that moves us through space, those things are constants. Okay. Okay. So, you know, there's a lot of people who um, want to learn to run better. So besides training, they actually think that, you know, I'm not firing my glutes or I have hip drop or, you know, I am not running um, to my potential because there's something I'm doing when I'm running down the road that is not as efficient as possible. But it's really hard to run down the road and think, okay, I need to lift my chest up. I need to run tall. I need to do all of these form cue things. We can do that for a few minutes, but then our monkey brains start thinking about, you know, what we're having for dinner that night, you know? So how, how can we change the way we run or should we? Yeah, that's a, a really interesting question also, because again, with pose method, like even the worst runner you see running down the road is already doing all the things that I'm coaching. Mm-hmm. So it's not about necessarily changing what you're doing, but it may be changing your focus, which will help you cut away the extra stuff in your running that's not serving you. Oh. So basically what pose method is in a nutshell is how to stop overstriding. You know, because there are certain things that every single running coach can agree to. Mm-hmm. You know, pretty much every running coach agrees to you want to land with your foot as close to under your body as possible. 100%. But nobody can tell you how to do that. Okay. You know, they're like, they're like yeah. land closer. You're like, okay, how do I land closer? And they'll say things like, you know, increase your cadence. And you can have a fast cadence and still overstride. I see it every single day. And then that actually really increases your effort when you're overstriding and also trying to increase your cadence to fix your overstriding because it's not the length of your stride that determines whether or not you're overstriding. It's about how far ahead of your body you're landing. So Correct. a sprinter yeah. will still have, you know, over a two meter stride and land directly under their body. Mm-hmm. But again, how do we land directly under our body? How do we have you know, what people are calling a natural foot strike. How do we make ourselves have a natural foot strike? <laughs> right. Isn't just us going for a run natural? Like, how do we do that? <laughs> yeah. So you would think it would be. And, you know, when you watch kids run, you know, and they're not thinking about it, generally, it does happen pretty naturally. But, you know, there's so much about the way that we live our lives. Again, our monkey brains getting in the way. Mm-hmm. Um you know, you know, I'm a barefoot guy, the things that we put on our feet that take away the feedback that we need to make good movement decisions, people aren't moving naturally. Mm -hmm. You know, your habitual movement pattern, what you've been doing, what you're used to, isn't necessarily a natural movement pattern. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get into the barefoot part in just a little bit, but I want to kind of go into like how you instruct somebody to, you know, if the basic thing we're all trying to do is stop overstriding, so, you know, land with our foot under our center of gravity. So if increasing the cadence isn't the answer, what's the answer? The answer is changing your mental focus. So the reason that people are overstriding is because we have the idea that our muscles are what move us through space. We push backwards to go forward is, you know, the, the general idea, but it's really interesting because 
that goes a hundred percent against the first rule of physics. You know, one of Newton's laws says an object at rest will remain at rest until an external force acts on it. Mm -hmm. So if I'm standing here and I'm a body at rest, I can't start running until an external force acts on me. And would you think that your muscles are an internal or an external force? Well, of course we think they're internal. Yeah, and they certainly are internal. You know, our muscles do lots of awesome things. They help us move our limbs around our joints. They support our body weight against gravity so we don't crumple down to the earth, <laughs> but they can't move us from here to there. They can only allow us to put our body in the position to allow an external force to move us, which is gravity. Mm. So if I'm standing here, I can't get over there until I shift my body weight forward and then my muscles start moving. So I shift, then my muscles react to that shift. And mm -hmm. each step, my muscles are just, again, supporting my body weight as gravity moves me through space. Okay. So, so what are some of the the mental um, tips and tricks, the, the self-talk that we need to have in order to change our form? Yeah. it's all It all revolves around that pose position again. So if we go back to the idea that you know every exercise has a start position, and an end position. So, you know, a bicep curl starts here and ends here. We know that we want to get as smoothly as we can from here to here. We know that if I flex my bicep, that weight will come up. So we know right. where we're starting, we know where we're going, and we know how to get there. And that's what we need in running. Mm -hmm. So you start in your pose position. And, you know, if people go to my Instagram, you'll see any picture of me running, I'm in pose. So be in your pose position. It's like a figure four with your lower body, your foot's mm -hmm. directly under your hips. And then pose on the other side is your end position. And I get there by picking my foot off of the ground. So mm -hmm. I don't have to think about putting my foot that's in the air on the ground. That's what leads to overstriding. Whether you're reaching out and putting your foot down on your forefoot, whether you're reaching out and putting your foot down on your heel, reaching forward and putting your foot down, trying to put your foot down, thinking about landing is going to cause you to land ahead of your body. To land naturally, you don't think about landing. Mm. So rather than thinking about putting my foot down, I think about my support foot that's currently on the ground, I pick it up. Okay. And when you pick one foot up, the other one drops naturally. You didn't make it drop. The natural relationship that your body has with gravity you pick one foot up, the other one comes down. Unless you can fly, which would be awesome. Yeah, that would be but, great. But <laughs> yeah, if you put one foot up, the other one comes down. And that's what happens in running. You know, it kind of starts like a piston when you're running in place. Up, mm -hmm. up, 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 up. Then as you start to shift your body weight forward, it starts to that up, down. You're still thinking up and down, but it turns into a cycling pattern, which right. is what you see when you're running. You know, what you, what you see when you see, you know, really good runners running where it seems like their foot is just dropping right beneath their body every single time. Like when you're watching, you know, Elliot Kipchoge run, it's yeah. because he's thinking, pick that foot up, pick that foot up. And the other one naturally just drops. Mm -hmm. So it's, yeah. So my cue for people is how quickly can you get to your next pose? Pose on one side, pose on the other side. And you know, you get there from pulling and that's, that's the main thing that I want runners thinking about. Pull your foot from the ground to get to recover your next pose position, to get to your end position, which is your new start position, stride after stride. I want to tell you about a unique opportunity for you to get stronger, faster, and stay motivated to hit all your running and nutrition goals this year, and that is to join the PR team. I started it last fall, and I have to tell you, it's even better than I imagined. Each member of the team gets a custom training plan made by me for you based on your unique fitness, goals, and lifestyle. Everything you need to crush your running dreams is included, such as strength training, recovery, and even cross training if you want it. 
I include weekly mental strength training as well as tips and nutrition guides. But here's where it gets really cool. The group has its own page in the app where we share workouts, ask training questions, and get feedback from me and the other teammates. And each week I create an exclusive private podcast just for the team based on the questions I get and what I see in their training each week. And I usually end up sharing behind the scenes and exclusive sneak peeks with the team that I don't share anywhere else. So instead of joining a Facebook group or sitting through another Zoom call, you get to listen to tailored advice on the run and you don't have to do all of this alone. So if you are ready to take your running to the next level and join an amazing team of runners, head to theplantedrunner.com slash group and join us today. It's more affordable than you think, and I can't wait to have you. Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey, and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads, but this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. There is no hood like parenthood. When you meet a fellow parent, you just kind of get each other on a whole nother level. Hi, I'm Kanika Chanda Gupta. I'm a former CNN journalist, mom of three, including twins, and host of That's Total Mom Sense, the podcast. I interview change makers on their life lessons, legacy, and superpower of intuition aka their mom sense and dad sense. I've had some pretty amazing parents on my show. Hey, what's up? I'm Kelly Rowland. Hi, this is Chelsea Clinton. It's me, Bobby Brown. Can't wait to share my story. Episodes release every Thursday. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and on YouTube. Join my tribe at thatstotalmomsense.com and follow me on Instagram at Kanika Chanda Gupta. I'm thrilled to be on this journey with you. So is most of this work done during drills or is it mostly done on the run? Because, you know, like we were talking about before, it's fine to have all this great intention when you go out for your run and think, okay, I'm going to do the pose. I'm going to lift my foot. I'm not going to worry about landing. I'm, I'm going to do all these things. And then, you know, a mile later, you, you've totally forgotten everything. Like I, I find it extremely difficult to keep focus during the run on running. So I usually tell people, let's work on it outside of the run. Let's work on some drills. Let's work on strength training. Let's work on some auxiliary things that make your body more capable of running well before, you know, instead of getting stressed out about trying to keep all this stuff in your head the whole time. Do you agree? Yeah, there's definitely, you know, a time for running and a time for improving your running skill through backing off of the intensity, you know, not having to worry about huffing and puffing and just working on the, the elements so again, pose, fall, pull are three invariable elements that runners have to do. And what's great about pose method is that it's a system where you can train each one of those elements individually. Okay. You know, you can get into your pose position, which is your single moment of balance that you hit several thousands of times per run. If you're not strong and stable holding your balance in that position, you're going to have issues on the run. So you can practice increasing your strength in your pose position by doing, you know, balance drills in that position while at the same time improving your perception or, you know, how well your brain can recognize your body being in that position. Mm -hmm. Same thing for the fall. You can practice allowing your body to fall forward through space, which yes. is something that subconsciously we don't want to do. And it's one of the reasons also that people um, maybe overstriding, especially running downhill yes. because they, uh, they're subconsciously creating that breaking force to prevent themselves from falling, which is where speed comes from. Like you have to fall if you're going to be running fast, which I think is one reason why a lot of people have a hard time getting fast because, mm -hmm. you know, breaking that barrier of, okay, now I feel comfortable 
with the sensation of what fast running feels like, um, they have a hard time doing it. So I yeah. know you're very fast. You know, you're, you're a sub three hour marathoner, which is amazing. Yeah. When you're yeah. doing sprints, <laughs> do you ever feel like a, like it feels almost nervous, like your feet like might miss the ground because you're running so fast. Have you ever felt that sensation? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, um, you know, not so much on the track when I'm, I'm perfectly flat, but definitely on downhill, I've had to teach myself how to lean forward on a downhill, which is like you said, absolutely against every instinct in your body. But once you trust the process, you lean forward the same way you're running uphill, same position. Um, it really, there. it's scary. But once you kind of get over that, it's an absolute freedom that I can't even really describe. But like, it's just so much of that little kid joy. Um, mm -hmm. you're, you really feel like you're flying and it's, you know, scary, but exhilarating at the same time. Um, and it's something that I have to teach people. It's like, look, downhill running in order for it to be <laughs> as best as, po as best as you possibly can, you will be scared. I still get scared. Um, trying to run fast on trails. I'm, <laughs> I'm not as good with all the rocks and roots. Um, but on flat, I, that's like pure joy, love, yeah. love, love downhill running. Yeah. <laughs> you know, what's really interesting about downhill running is, you know, so people, um, We'll say, you know, downhill running is awesome because you get free speed. You know, you don't have to push off gravity just kind of pulls you down the hill. And really, that's just an exaggerated version of what's happening in flat road running and even in uphill running as well. Because, mm -hmm. again, we don't use our muscles to push ourselves forward. You know, we use our muscles to support our body weight. So uh, it's you get more speed for your falling angle when you're running downhill. But, of course, each time you land your legs are still doing that work to support your body weight mm -hmm. on a flat ground. You don't get as much speed for the same fall angle, but again, gravity is what's moving you forward. The muscles that the work that your muscles are doing are again, just supporting your body weight each time you land. And of course, picking your foot up off of the grounds, but yeah. you know, just like running downhill where you don't have to use muscular effort for speed. It really is the same thing in flat road running as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's a great, great way to think about it. And it's a great visual for people. Um, so let's, let's dip our toes <laughs> into barefoot running for a little bit. Um, you know, I had the, the king of barefoot running, Christopher McDougall on a few months ago, uh, born to run fame, if you guys haven't heard yeah. that or read that book. Um, you know, he is kind of credited for the big barefoot running boom uh, over a decade ago. But you know, there's been some contrast controversy with it. it. It got super big. I ran my first marathon in barefoot shoes. So like I'm, I'm into it, but I don't do that anymore. <laughs> you know, I switch off. So I, I am, you know, I'm in the middle. I think racing with big squishy shoes is great. And if you want to do barefoot shoes, it's great. But I would love to talk a little bit about that, about, you know, if someone's interested in getting into some uh, barefoot running, how do we start? Yeah, certainly. First thing is, you know, while I do run in barefoot shoes and I run all of my races, you know, ultras, half marathons, I still haven't gone the distance yet, you know, for a full uh, full fledged marathon yet. Um, but I do all of my races in barefoot style shoes. But I certainly don't think that everybody has to do that. I think it's significantly more important that you wear a barefoot style shoe for the other, you know, 10 hours that you're walking around in the day versus, you know, the one to two hours that you're running. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if you are interested in becoming someone who does run in a barefoot style shoe, the first stop is strengthening your feet just by wearing them daily, you know. Mm -hmm going grocery shopping in your barefoot style shoe, going to the gym. Cause at that point, every step becomes a corrective exercise where you start to build the strength and resilience that you'll need in your feet for if you do want to start running. And it's my experience with myself and a lot of my clients that, you know, once you start wearing barefoot shoes daily, you start to crave the extra space. You start to crave the extra feedback to where, you know, you're not forcing yourself to run in them. You're like, at that point, you're curious. You're like, can I run in them? And just like every other, you know, fit, every other thing in fitness, it's an exploration. You know, yeah. can I do this? Let's see if I can do it. And if I can't, I'll back off a little bit until I can do it. And that's really how I 
uh, kind of push people to if they are interested in running in barefoot shoes, do that is start just by wearing them daily and then listen to your body. Yeah, I love that. That fitness should be an exploration. I think that's a great way to look at it. I I would warn people though to start small with barefoot uh, running because if you've never done it before, my first run in barefoot shoes was just a three mile run, no big deal, just out and back. I swear I was sore for a week in my calves from that. You know, so you don't want to just jump right in it right away, but you can make really good adaptations if you if you do it gradually. Yeah. And I also say, you know, while and this is a problem that, you know, uh, Vibram had with their shoes is that going to a barefoot style shoe is not going to fix your form. You're not suddenly going to be running better because, you know, you're getting more feedback from the grounds because runners are the kings and queens and rulers of all when it comes to pushing through pain. Right. So you'll put on your barefoot shoes and go slam your feet into the ground for however many miles you had planned that day. And you're getting the feedback, hey, this hurts. Maybe you should be changing something, but (laughs) you don't listen to it. And even if you didn't want to listen to it, people don't know what they're supposed to be doing. They don't know how to change their form. So that, you know, strengthen your feet, get the prerequisite strength that you need for running in your feet. And then also, you know, learn what your actual goals for good running are. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're, if you're, uh, if you think that good running versus bad running just means forefoot striking versus heel striking, and you go out and you're over striding and you're landing on your forefoot instead of your heel, your feet and calves and Achilles and potentially still your knees are going to be real mad at you. Yeah. You know, yeah, for sure. So you don't you don't um, tell people that they should land forefoot or midfoot, you know, or get rid of heel striking or any of that. No. So. Landing isn't one of the things that I coach because it's going to happen no matter what, you know, mm-hmm. landing is going to happen unless you can fly away. Um, <laughs> what we talk about is what we focus on anyway, is how close is your foot landing to your center of mass? And mm-hmm. I will say, you know, uh, the further you reach out ahead of your body, the more likely you are to heel strike. Mm-hmm. But you can also do that with your forefoot. And I see it all the time. And that actually used to be me as a runner. Oh, before yeah? I took a deeper dive into running form is I thought that I was running well because I was, you know, decently fast. I played soccer and things growing up. And I was landing on my forefoot like, you know, a good runner is supposed to do. But my Achilles, uh, I was having IT band issues. I was spreading my ankle all the time because that's a super like overstriding on your forefoot is a very unstable position for your foot to be landing in. And you're sure. asking to, you know, step on a root and turn your foot over. But yeah, it's not about heel versus forefoot. It's about where is that in relationship to where the rest of your body is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, that's that, how you got into it. You just were getting injuries yourself and you were just like, how do I fix this? Yep. And, you know, I, all the conventional wisdom I was hearing was, you know, uh, you need to strengthen the muscles around your knees, your hips, things like that. But I, at that point, I was already, you know, five years deep into personal training. I was doing band exercises all the time. My hips were strong and stable. Um, so obviously that wasn't the issue. Then I went down the rabbit hole, found barefoot style shoes, foot strengthening. Because I did find out that my feet were incredibly weak and just disconnected from my brain. Uh-huh. I couldn't spread my toes. I would be laying on the couch like... Uh, it reminded me of uh, the scene from Kill Bill where Uma Thurman just woke up from the coma and she's like, wiggle your big toe. Like, <laughs> right. that was, yeah, that was me on the couch. I, my toes wouldn't move. I could move my big toe a little bit, but like the rest of them, I couldn't like spread them out at all. Wow. It wasn't happening. But my hands would start doing crazy things just, I guess, as my brain was trying to send signals, but they weren't going to the right places. But now I'm actually teaching barefoot movement workshops for Vivo Barefoot. You know, wow. So I, how long I, and what did that take for you to really build up your foot strength? You finally had the aha moment where you're just like, wow, my, my feet aren't on board or up to task. And how long did it, how long was the transition? Yeah, I did an immediate transition. Uh, wow. Definitely don't necessarily recommend that to people. Um, but I was just so fed up. It was a, a, a race. I sprayed my ankle and I was like, that was the last straw. And as soon as I could, you know, start moving around regularly again, I got my first pair of Merrill 
uh, trail gloves, or I'm sorry, Merrill Vapor Glove, which is the yeah. barefoot style shoe. Yeah. They're a little more narrow than I like these days, but it was good for me at the time. And I went straight into it, never looked back, but I definitely had to push through some soreness in my feet and calves as I was making that transition, especially because once again, I hadn't fixed my running form yet either. So uh -huh. I was still overstriding. I call it toe diving if you're overstriding in four foot landing. Uh -huh. And uh, yeah, I was beating myself up pretty good, but you know, <laughs> that's where, uh, you know, that's where learning comes from, you know, out of necessity. So I was like, really? how do I fix myself? And yeah, I got fortunate enough to you know, be in a really good position now where my body feels great. My running feels great. And I'm able to help people who are, you know, trying to make their way through that same minefield of information and pain and performance ups and downs. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, on your Instagram, there's a lot of uh, videos that you do of normal people with a before and after. And so you watch these people and, and they're just, you know, regular everyday runners and, you know, nothing special and but, you know, not necessarily anything quote unquote wrong. But then you show the after and it's like completely different. And they go from, you know, looking heavy and and plodding along to these light little gazelles taking these, you know, these little baby steps in. And it's just it's just really obvious that they've made a huge transfer transformation. So when people send you a video, what are you looking for? So the biggest thing that we're looking for is time on the ground. And we look at that a couple of ways or one main way, really. But time on the ground is really what the, the injury cause in, in running is. You know, if you think about running, you know, how much work do you think your body is? How much at risk of injury do you think you are when you're in the air? Like none, mm -hmm. right? You're, I don't know. You're weightless <laughs> when you're in the air. You know, it's when, right. you, when you hit the ground and you start taking on weight. So the first thing we look at is where does your foot hit the ground in relationship to where the rest of your body is? The further mm -hmm. your foot is ahead of you when you hit the ground, that means the longer you're going to spend on the ground. The lower your cadence is going to be, the higher your ground contact time is. And all that really boils down to the more work your body has to do supporting your body weight until you can get back into the air. So step one, where's your foot lands? We'll draw a line from there and then another line up your center of mass to see what that distance is. And our goal, you know, mm -hmm. as we're progressing is to make that distance smaller and smaller. And the way that I measure that generally with clients is by time or frames. So I'll either put a okay. clock on the screen or we'll go like click, click, click as we're moving the video super slow. And how many clicks does it take until you get to your stable pose position? So that figure four shape that we talked about, that that uh that undeniable runner shape. So yeah, in that position, your balance, and that's when you're taking on the heaviest or highest forces in running. You know, you let mm -hmm. you're weightless in the air, you make that initial contact, and you start taking on, you know, percentage, percentage, percentage of your body weight until you get to your body weight and then multiply by however fast you're running. Because the faster you're running, the higher the forces are. They come to a max yeah. at that point of balance. So we're seeing how long you're holding on to all that, you know, work with your body and your muscles. So mark that metric. We'll say it took, you know, four clicks to get to that position. The next thing we want to know, well, the next thing we can actually do, just depending on what the runner is looking for, if we're looking to improve like performance, now we're going to look at the quality of your fall. So when you're in your pose position, you'll start to fall forward because then you've got that forward momentum. Your body's moving forward over top of your stationary foot. And there comes a certain point where that falling angle or that falling action stops and you, you know, start to, your other foot starts reaching towards the ground. So right, right about there, we can measure the falling angle. So what, how far did you displace your center of mass over your foot? And if you look at runners like Elliot Kipchoge, uh, Dr. Romanov analyzed his sub two hour marathon mm -hmm. and he averaged about 18 degrees of falling angle, which is oh. very high. Um, Usain Bolt with his world record performance back in the 2009, I think it was somewhere in there. Yeah. yeah. Way back. 
uh, where he ran, you know, 9.58 on the 100 meter dash, the world record. His average angle of fall was about 21.5 uh, degrees of wow. fall angle. And the maximum a human or anything really can fall forward and still be able to recover is 22 mm-hmm. and a half degrees. So like Usain Bolt. That's fascinating. Yeah, it really is fascinating, which means that he actually could potentially have run faster. And, you know, someone may one day be able to run faster. He does have the height advantage. You know, he was like a genetic anomaly, you know, being that uh, tall and coordinated to be able to put down, you know, that type of performance. So it'll be interesting when we see another athlete like that. But you can measure the quality of that fall angle. No, what is the angle? And what is your posture? Because if your butt's going backwards and your chest is coming forward, we measure to the hips. So Uh leaning forward at the waist isn't actually falling. It's not making you run any faster. It's got to be good posture and those hips coming forward. So we'll measure the quality of your fall angle to make sure you're getting the most out of uh, your speed. And then from there, it's we go back to how long are you on the ground? So how long does it take for you to get your foot off of the ground and then back into the air. So again, we'll go from pose position and click, 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 click until that back foot is off of the grounds. And we do all of this from a, a lateral view. And I feel like that is the best way to do it because a lot of the deviations that we see, um, if we're looking at like a front or a back view are mm-hmm. caused by problems in the lateral view. Now, if we're talking about over pronation, you know, your feet rolling in too much or your knees bowing in too much. Mm-hmm. That is an effect of having too high of a ground contact time. You know, if you're on the ground, you're asking, you're, you're allowing too much time for all that compression and internal rotation to happen. Whereas if you are popping off of the ground more quickly, there wouldn't be time for all of that collapse. And interesting. Yeah, and that comes back to how far is your foot landing ahead of your body? So it really, it always comes back to overstriding, you know, and there are things that we can do with strength training and, um, developing drills and things. Well, well, as far as just developing our bodies to be able to be in a better position to allow these things to happen. But Mm. yeah, it all comes back to overstriding when we're talking about, you know, dealing with injuries and improving performance. So that's what we're looking for in an analysis. How much are you overstriding and what can we do to reduce that? Okay. Okay. So I don't know if you had a chance to look at it, but I sent you a little video of me running on a treadmill. It was a little kind of wonky angle. So it was a little bit behind to the side. So not a perfect lateral shot, Mm -hmm. but uh, if you had a chance to look at it, what did you think? Yeah. So it's really funny. So initially <laughs> you sent it's me funny. that well you sent me that and i was like oh man here it comes because you know i've done hundreds and hundreds if not over a thousand video analysis and they're almost always the same and they're almost always bad and you know to start but you actually sure. look pretty good which makes sense because you know you are fast and right. we'll talk about in a second the pyramid of deviation but you know, since you are a fast runner, I didn't really expect to see, you know, too much deviation from good technique. Um, I will mm-hmm. say that you, it, it may be just because of the treadmill, because the treadmill makes it harder to maintain good technique. Okay. So I did see, especially on your right foot, a little bit of reaching forward, mm-hmm. but your left foot, not so much. Like your left foot looked pretty dang good. And what happens, things that can cause reaching forward is that our bodies are always looking to create balance. So for example, you know, we talked about earlier that our number one job is to get our foot off of the ground and that initiates your other foot to drop down. If you're not pulling your foot from the ground and you're leaving it too far behind you, your swing leg is going to start reaching forward to create that balance. And that's one of the reasons that people overstride. They either leave their back leg hanging behind and they don't pull or they are attempting to push off, which makes them reach forward as well. But on the treadmill, since the belt is moving back and it's moving so fast, if you're really not focusing on getting your foot off of that belt as quickly as possible, it's going to get whipped back and your other foot's going to reach forward. And it happens every single time. And, you know, even I, you know, with all the focus that I have, you know, all the practice that I've done on focusing on, you know, doing 
the right things, pulling my foot from the ground to recover my pose position. The treadmill is still a challenge because especially at a higher speed, it just whips your foot back. And uh, yeah. so I would be interested in seeing you running all over regular ground as well, because your treadmill video wasn't bad. was not bad at all. It was pretty good. <laughs> okay, good. Good, good, good. Um, you know, but you, I always want, you know, when people do look at running form, you kind of want there to be a problem because you want to fix something. So you can say, oh, that is why I didn't do X in the marathon because my, my right foot is reaching. So now I can fix it. Yeah. You know, so <laughs> you don't want somebody to say you run perfect. You're just not fast enough. That's funny. <laughs> you know? and I would agree with that. But I feel like so yeah. much, so many runners and people in the fitness industry in general don't agree with that. You know, mm. uh, one of the things that we say impose a lot is that most overuse injuries aren't actually overuse injuries. They're misuse injuries. Ooh. You know, and Ooh, I like that. Yeah. yeah. Two things really go along with that. Like one, the overuse injury thing, it might be like a, an internal thing where people are like, oh, I'm injured because I wanted it so bad that I tried so hard and I got hurt. And it's like a, like a, such a noble thing that, you know, I just tried so right. hard that I did more than I should have and I got hurt. And that's like right. a, a comfortable place to sit in. But mm-hmm. I, like you were just saying, I like the other side. If I'm hurt and it's because I was using my body improperly, that means that there's hope for the future. You no, know, right. I can fix something and not get injured next time. It's not, okay, I just can't run as much because guess what? If you want to become a better runner, you're going to have to run more. You know, at some point, ideally you're running with good technique, but you're going to have to run more at some point. So if you are continually trying to, you know, get to that next level by increasing your volume, increasing your intensity, but you keep getting hurt every single time, it's likely not overuse. You're likely doing something else wrong. But guess what? You can fix it and, you know, make that improvement that you're looking for if you just take a little bit of time, a little bit of focus. And- I love it. So I, I would love to hear um, one of your favorite transformation stories, like somebody you helped that just had an unbelievable transformation uh, in their running form. You got any of those? Yeah, I've got many, many of those, but probably the most popular recent one, um, one of my runners, Connie. Uh, she's actually my most viewed Instagram video. It got up to like 2.3 million views. It was like the first time Whoa. any of my videos had ever done that. And it's the trans- transformation was so drastic that it totally makes sense. Uh, you've likely seen it. It's the one where mm-hmm. it's a woman. She's not much older than me, but she's running and she's like very hunched over. Like the posture is very yes. bad. She's reaching. Uh, you know, steps are very slow. It's basically walking, but trying to walk faster. You know, it's a walking movement pattern and walking and running are two different movement patterns. And she's carrying the idea that I have to lean forward to run, which is why she was bending at the waist. And she's uh, carrying the idea that I have to open up my stride in order to run faster, which is why she's reaching forward and heel striking and rolling, destroying her cadence. And, you know, that video was taken during the very first time she had joined one of my 5K training teams. So we were mm-hmm. training for a 5K at the time. We hadn't done any technique work yet. Just wanted to, you know, my mom actually convinced her to join the team that my mom also runs on my team as well. But, you know, I saw that and I was like, okay, you know, definitely giant room for improvement here. And she came to one of my clinics and the second video was from the clinic. That's a one day transformation. So we one day, yeah, one day, because the change it's between your ears. It's a, it's a mental shift. Like you're already wow. doing all the stuff that I, that I coach, but you're also doing a bunch of other stuff because you don't know what you should be focusing on. Wow. That's amazing. That is really cool. So that's probably a really good place to kind of wrap it up. So for those listening or watching this on YouTube who would like some help with their running form, how do people get in touch with you? Definitely reach out Instagram. It's coachdex757. You know, message me, comment on the videos if you have any questions. I love questions. You know, it gets it gives me a better opportunity to deeper my own understanding and to share my knowledge, share my uh, my passion anyway. So hit me with your yeah. questions. You can also go to coachdexrunsquad.com, and that kind of has all of my offerings. I've got a post method running course that will pretty much 
teach you all the concepts that I do in my running clinics, as well as showing you all the drills and exercises. It'll teach you how to videotape and to analyze your own technique. You know, as you're working towards improvement, you'll learn what to look for. Also with the opportunity to have a video call and analysis with me. Uh, if people are interested in training for 5Ks and things like that, I've got uh, training teams for those as well. And if you awesome. are local, Newport News or around, you can come on in uh, to my gym where we do group fitness as well as all types of running stuff. Awesome. That is so great. And you're offering the Planted Runner listeners a discount, and we are going to put all of that information in the show notes. Dex, this was awesome. It was, a, it was great to meet you and geek out about running and plants, of course. <laughs> and I know that you are just helping so many runners out there, and I really appreciate you coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I'm glad I got to share uh, the Pose message with all of your listeners, and I'm looking forward to sharing this uh, episode with, with my, uh, my followers as well. That was a great one. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much. All right, Claire. And now it's time for the Mental Strength Minute. Fortify your mind in 60 seconds or less. Today's topic is what would a friend say? When you miss a run, miss your splits in a workout, screw up a race, or skip your strength training yet again, what do you say to yourself? Many runners become mad at themselves and begin to have a negative conversation that can quickly spiral downward. We are hard on ourselves when we have a bad day, often because we have really high expectations of ourselves. But what would you say to a friend who missed a run? Would you say they're lazy for sleeping in? Of course not. We often treat our friends with much more kindness than we do ourselves. So next time your 400 meter intervals come in a little slower than you want, be a kind friend to yourself instead of a bully. One missed split or one missed run says nothing about your fitness or your commitment, but kindness to yourself? speaks volumes. This month's winner of our Apple podcast review contest is Defufu, who wrote, love the interview with Cynthia Miller, five stars. I'm almost 64, only began running about eight years ago, finished my second half marathon on Sunday at 2.30. Happy with that. Run on, Master Women Athletes. Great show. Thanks for all the terrific information. Your mission is to email me at claire at theplantedrunner.com with your U.S. mailing address and your signed copy of my book, The Planted Runner, Running Your Best with Plant-Based Nutrition, will be on its way. If you'd like to enter to win a copy, all you need to do is write a review on Apple Podcasts, and next month, the winner could be you. Thank you for listening to The Planted Runner or watching it on YouTube. Don't forget that you can win a copy of my book for leaving an Apple podcast review. So be sure to write yours today right after your run. Reviews are the number one way to boost this show's reach. And it's a great way to tell me what you'd like to hear next because I read every single one. Have a great run today. Women's Running Stories, where we explore the intersection between running and life. Because every woman who is committed to a running journey has a story to tell, and this is where you'll find those stories. I am host and producer Sheree Louise Turner. I'm a 53-year-old runner, and together with original music by musician and runner Cormac O'Regan, we bring these inspirational stories to life. Please join us to fuel your adventures.